WQXR, in conversation. Rumi was a 13th century Persian theologian, scholar, and poet. And with a job description like that, you can be sure that he strung together a lot of words that sound very good. So good, in fact, that over 800 years later, we're still saying them. Here's one of his more famous things. Dance when you're broken open. Dance if you've torn the bandage off. Dance in the middle of the fighting. Dance in your blood. Dance when you're perfectly free. And that resonated particularly strongly with composer Anna Klein, who used those words to provide some kind of framework for her new cello concerto, which is being released on June 5th, 2020. She teamed up with cellist Inmal Sayev and Baltimore Symphony Orchestra music director Marin Alsop to bring it to life. And on that album, they pair it with something, you know, a very interesting piece, Edward Elgar's Cello Concerto. So it's two cello concertos that were written 100 years apart. And here's what's interesting. They were both written around the time of a global pandemic. Elgar wrote his back in 1919 in the aftermath of World War I and that flu pandemic. This is WQXR in conversation with Anna Klein in Balsegov and Marin Alsop. I want to start off by asking you, Anna, some questions. I want to just kind of start out by asking about your your collaborative process. You've collaborated with living artists in various uh, media before, but this time you're, I guess, collaborating with Rumi, right, who was very much dead. And you had said once that you like being able to create something new with the artist themselves and then like yeah you have something completely new to come out of that so what was the decision behind going back several hundred years and, and collabing with a with a dead person yeah so um i do love collaborating with other artists and one of the things i love about it is it brings a different perspective to my creative process because composing music is very solitary by nature um but for this piece there wasn't a filmmaker or visual artist in collaboration so i went for another form of inspiration, which is this very short roomy poem, uh, which is dance when you're broken open, dance if you've torn the bandage off, dance in the middle of the fighting, dance in your blood, dance when you're perfectly free. And there was something about that poem, which had been with me for a long time, but I hadn't found the right context for a piece of music. But uh, for this piece for Inbal, I knew I wanted it to be a multi-movement work. So it lended itself to this these five way distinct uh, lines, uh, this repetition of the word dance and a sense of urgency that was very compelling in the, the text itself. Um, but I was also very fortunate in that Inbal has been a wonderful collaborative partner in creating this um, this piece. So she was very much an integral part of that. When I would I had the first draft of the solo cello part, we met and we made edits and some of her suggestions are in the final piece. So she's very much a part of, been a part of the process and from very beginning to the end of this recording that we're about to share. Imbol, I wanted to ask you, um, I was watching you describe the music that, that Anna made, and you said that it was tonal, yet it has this freshness and modern sensibility. Can you unpack that, that statement a little bit for me? 
Yeah, if you didn't know that it was written today, maybe for the first few uh, seconds of the piece, uh, yes, the writing is very special because the cello starts on the highest stratospheres. Uh, it sounds like a violin or a viola for a second, but uh, the, the writing is very tonal. It's, it's just so beautiful. But then as soon as you get in, you can hear those harmonies that are not quite, you know, what we expect or what um, in the classical or romantic period. So this very fresh and very new. Um, and you can hear more of the uh, newness uh, as you, you go along in the concerto, in the later movements, it becomes uh, dissonance and uh, some uh, there's special effects and in the orchestra. Marin, I want to swing over to, to you for a second. And I want to ask... You know, you have worked with Anna Klein before, like several times. Um, I want to know kind of how you got this trio, right, as soloist and composer and conductor, how you got that together. I, I've i worked with Anna um, on lots and lots of projects, and <clears throat> I think we first met at Cabrillo, the Cabrillo Music Festival. I, I was there for as a music director for 25 years, and um, <clears throat> then when I had an opportunity to... Uh, commissioned someone to write the opening work for The Last Night of the Proms, which was an historic evening. I asked Anna, and she did a fantastic five-minute barn burner opener. And <clears throat> since then, we've collaborated on many, many projects all around the world, um, Sao Paulo also in, in Baltimore. And I knew Inbal separately, and we were new friends, actually, um, when I decided to introduce her to Anna because I thought that their sensibilities would really, really gel. And indeed, see, I should have been a matchmaker, maybe in another life. Um, but there, you know, it just worked that there was real magic between the two of them. And then, of course, uh, when we thought about possibly recording the piece, um, I brought in one of my favorite orchestras, which is the London Philharmonic. And uh, they got involved. So I guess really my job besides conducting was matchmaking. Can I ask uh, you, Marin, what you think are the qual like the best qualities in a good creative match? What made this work that may not have worked with um, another set of creative people? Yeah, I think people have to, in order, you know, it's, it's the same as making friends or, or having building relationships. You know, you have to have the same values and share the same sensibility to a certain extent. Um, I don't think you have to agree on every point, and that's what makes um, relationships interesting, you know, the disagreement. So I would say that there were there were so many points of connection, and, and the way Anna writes is very singing. I think the way Inval plays is very, very singing as well. And so it, it doesn't become about the technical um, challenges, although there are many of those, but it's much more about the line and imitating the human voice because that's what the cello as an instrument does so incredibly beautifully. So I think, I think really it's trying to introduce people that share the same value system. Anna, can you talk to me about the, the poetry and how each of those different lines and that, you know, snippet that you picked out, how it, I guess, informs or corresponds to the music um, that you wrote? Absolutely. So um, the piece for Inval is in five different movements and that's one of the reasons I was drawn to this um, this short five-line poem, because it sort of provided me with that structure. 
so each of the movements is named after those different lines that uh, follows the word dance. So the first movement is when you're broken open. And this movement actually is very tender and very delicate. Often a concerto really jumps in with the fire, but I wanted to start with something that was very fragile. Imagining, uh, you know, when you're broken open, if you're as if you're looking through shards of glass. And I have a very slow repeating cycle in the orchestra, and Inbal literally just soars above this in the very highest register of the cello. And then the second movement, when you've torn the bandage off, there's something about that physicality of that's a very physical sensation, and the uh, music is marked earthy and fiery. It's a lot more aggressive, a lot of double stops. Um, it begins to introduce some more folk-like elements. And in this movement, the orchestra is more sort of like an amplification of the cello, so lots of doublings so to sort of beef up the sound. So you could have the solo cello line, but then a bassoon and you know, some other instruments to double that. And then the middle uh, movement is in the middle of the fighting. And for this one, it, the tempo sort of slows down again. There's this uh, slow cycle. The idea of cycles and re repetition is very much central to this piece. So we have this sort of loop going on in the orchestra, above which there's a very sort of tender melody that just gets higher and higher. Um, in the fourth movement, in your blood, uh, contrasts a lot with that middle section. It's marked regal and expansive. And here I treat the orchestra almost like a looping pedal. So Inbal starts with this very simple uh, line in quarter notes that uh, once she completes the cycle, the basses then pick it up and gradually gets higher and higher until all the strings are in. Um, and then the final movement, when you're perfectly free, um, just imagining the the music being sort of liberated and there's this uh, juxtaposition between the sort of aggressive, more thorny music and this more sort of simple, melodic, beautiful music. So it has that kind of art to it. Anna, you said that the music speaks to both of your um, heritages, you know, involved well, speaks to your Jewish heritage and, and it speaks to your uh, Irish heritage. Can you talk about what qualities in the music speak to those parts of you? Like, wh why? Why do you feel that way? Yeah, um, there was some augmented seconds in, uh, I believe, was it the last movement? Um, uh, that really sounded Jewish, like a Jewish melody. And I was like, oh, I'm at home. <laughs> and yeah, there's certainly that kind of big, bigger than life quality as well. Augmented second. It's an interval where you play one note and the next note is three semitones up. So it's basically a minor second with a little half step above it. Sounds kind of dark. Some of you might know it as a minor third. Here's what it sounds like. Okay, back to the interview. I think something that I'm drawn to in in listening to and writing music more as as the years go by is a sense of a, a melody. And I think there's something about that sort of like in the Elgar, that lilting 6-8. Uh, I incorporate that a lot in dance, but that sort of uh, singing, slightly dotted rhythm, um, which I think it associates a lot with British um, folk music. And then I agreed with, with Inbar that the very closing of the last movement, which um, incidentally was originally the first, is the first movement I wrote, but then became the last movement, um, ends with this sort of very simple melody. But um, this piece is, I wrote is dedicated to my father, who is Jewish. So it seemed fitting that the piece would close out with this sort of Jewish inflection to the melodic idea.
So the piece, I think, um, especially in the first movement and a little bit in the fourth, to me, it has this quality of being very pensive and reflective without being self-pitying, which I think is pretty cool. And there's this expressiveness in the music itself that feels very physically open. And Enmal, I was watching um, your, I guess, YouTube uploads where you talk about the physical aspect of creating or practicing with a with a good sound and how you don't practice when your shoulders are are tense and you have these yoga poses that you always kind of resort to to loosen yourself up. Can you talk about a piece like this that's so kind of, you know, literally breathtaking? It feels like you're drawing in a lot of air to expel this sound. I know you're playing on a string instrument, but just kind of bear with me on the metaphor. Can you talk about the physical aspect of playing something that's just so expansive? Yes, it really uh, poses uh, challenges because the beginning, you know, our hearts are pumping, especially in live performance, but even in the recording and uh, you, you have to control, you have to control your breath, you have to control your vibrato. And I think it's very uh, much a meditative, almost a meditative experience that to go very, very well with Rumi and uh, the times that we, even the times that we live in and who would have thought that we're going to need something like this so much right now. And I feel it's really therapeutic, especially the first movement and um, the third, the fourth. There's a lot of it that is just right for me right now. I have another question about um, this kind of the working relationships between between all of you. Um, Anna, can you talk to me about what draws you back to, to Marin constantly? Not constantly, but, uh, you know, a lot. <laughs> no, I like that. <laughs> Well, I just feel that Marin understands every little note that I put on the paper and I put so much care into my work and to find a conductor that puts an equal amount of care and brings to life what you imagine, that's very rare to find um, that kind of... And that's a collaboration in itself too. So um, I feel incredibly fortunate that, uh, Marin, you've been such a champion of my work and have given me this opportunity to bring these pieces to life. And to also make these introductions, um, I totally agree that it's finding collaborators that do share um, a similar value system. You know, you can be from far corners of the world, but if you share that, that's when you can make really important art. So I'm, I'm really also thankful for the, these relationships that she's brought to my life as well. And I think, you know, it, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that it was probably quite an unusual um, recording session to have... Uh, a woman as composer, woman as soloist, woman as conductor. Actually, to be perfectly honest, I never thought about it until this moment, which I think is also a good sign. But um, I think that that was a, um, a kind of iconic moment. And, and we shouldn't um, diminish the importance of that to be there in, in that experience together. So thank you. I'm just going to swing that same question to ask Anna up to Enball and just ask you, about um, any kind of qualities that Marin has as the conductor that separate her from other conductors that we worked with. Yeah, no, it was first of all an honor, uh, privilege to work with uh, with Marin, and um, you know I wanted to work with her for many years, so that was a dream come true. And um, you know, I certain things I questioned in the recording session uh, when I heard the edit, I was like, oh, she was so right, you know. Um, 
yeah, even things that I kind of regret opening my big mouth. So I, I'm just the experience, the, you know, musicianship is just really unparalleled. So I'm so, so happy I worked with you, Baron. <laughs> yes, well, and as soon as we can leave our house, we'll work together again, all of us, I hope. <laughs> Great. What's interesting about that, I think, is the album pairs, um, you know, this Anna Klein piece with the the Elgar uh, cello concerto, and that was written but in 1919, uh, and it has all these very romantic sensibilities. And I just think it's interesting that Elgar wrote his cello concerto at a time when, you know, you can maybe make an argument or observation that music was starting to kind of experiment more and more and more outside of those parameters. I just find that the dialogue between those two pieces to be particularly interesting. Yeah, um, I should say I'm a very amateur and rusty cellist, uh, but this writing this piece was a wonderful opportunity to get back to playing a bit of the cello. And the El Girls Cello Concerto is one of my favourite pieces and has been since I was a child. And I think what I find still so fresh about it is his unabashedly open, beautiful melodies, and he lets the cello really sing. Um, and I very much had that in mind. Maybe my piece is a bit more dissonant and goes to some different harmonic areas, but I try, try to maintain the idea of the solo cello as, as really a voice that's singing and sometimes soaring above the orchestra. Um, so I, I guess that sense of melody is something that links the pieces, but perhaps the harmonic sound world is, is a little different between the two. Marin, back in 07, uh, when you were music director designate of uh, the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra, you conducted the um, the Elgar Cello Concerto. I mean, I just wanted to know, like, what brings you back to that, not necessarily that composer, but to that piece? Like, what, what about it speaks to you? Well, Elgar, the Elgar Cello Concerto is really, it, it's really a pinnacle work, I think, for the cello. It's, and also for the orchestra. I love the way Elgar integrates the orchestra into the experience. It's not just a backdrop to the cello. Um, and it's it's a very rhapsodic work, so one movement evolves from the from the previous movement, and you know from a conducting point of view, from a conductor's perspective, it's a piece that we can really influence interpretively. It's not just about providing an accompaniment; it's about providing motivation, musical intention, and um, you know the sound world of Elgar is very different from any other composer. Finding that special quality, there's a there's a warmth, I think, but also there's a um, there's a British quality to it that one has to find, and and not every orchestra can just grasp that immediately. But I'm very pleased with the recording. I think we we found the right sound world for Elgar. Can you describe what makes that sound, I guess, quote unquote, British? You know, I I can't really describe that. I mean, it, it's a little bit like trying to describe an American sound. I think there's a traditional set quality to it. You know, it, it's all the characteristics that you think. And, and it sounds, when you say it out loud, it sounds a bit stereotypic. You know, you want some kind of sense of nobility. You want a sense of um, gravitas and, um, I think, longevity. Uh, when I think about American music, I think about immediacy and action, that kind of thing. You know, when I think about British music, I think more about um, uh, a long history. And that's very hard to describe and, and translate into words, but, you know, the musicians know when we're, when we're finding that sound and when it's the right sound. And then everybody gets, tries to get inside it. It's, it's, it's a fantastic experience. 
I want to talk process real quick and the trust that goes into the process. One thing that sticks out about this particular concerto is that it starts with a bit more of, you know, an understated harmonic landscape. You know, it's not this hard, immediate, dramatic entrance, you know, to the orchestra, um, which I guess deviates from the quote unquote classical way of, of doing things. Also, it's a five movement concerto and a lot of concerti, everything people introduced to, it's done in three and it's very compact. So I just want to um, get some insight into those creative uh, decisions. I mean, obviously you're trying to have each movement correspond to one of those lines in that poem. Um, but yeah, I just want you to, to riff on that. So I wanted to invite the audience into a sort of fresh and very open sound world. Like the first line, when you're broken open, imagining that sort of expansive sort of light coming into something that's been shattered. Uh, when you're broken open, you could also interpret that as being internally shattered. It could have been a very chaotic response to the text. But instead, I wanted something that was very ethereal. And as you pointed out, is perhaps atypical for the beginning of a concerto, which usually starts with a lot of fire, you know, a lot of energy and a lot of drive. Um, so that imagery of being broken open really inspired this very ethereal sound world with this uh, inbalis just sort of soaring above with these very delicate harmonics and at the very upper range. And then thinking about other um, movements like in your blood, that's very much you know, a sense of physicality that we get in a lot of the lines, like when you've torn the bandage off in the middle of the fighting, which seems, this whole poem seems incredibly relevant, actually specifically today. I've been thinking about it with everything that's going on in the last couple of days. Um, it feels very poignant to be reflecting on this uh, today, actually. Um, but having that sort of sense within us when there is this chaos, when there is this um, uh, fear around us that you can always be centered to dance being that sort of image of finding your inner self. And I think that's sort of central to this piece. And Bell, I wanted to ask you, what part or parts of this concerto were most pleasurable for you to to play? You know, all of it is is so wonderfully written because um, Anna is a cellist herself, and she just understands the. It's just written very idi idiomatically. Um, I really like uh, the beginning of the fourth is just just really lets the instrument vibrate just so naturally. Uh, the very beginning of the piece is just very difficult. I love the sound, but it's just extremely difficult. <laughs> um, so, you know, um, in the very highest position of the cello, the pitch changes with every little tiny movement of your hand. Uh, and so... I don't have fat fingers, so that really helped. So that um, what was hard was controlling the vibrato, and Anna was very particular about how she wanted the vibrato controlled. So from starting from nothing at some points and adding as I went along, and that's very hard to control. I mean, you know, it's definitely adds a beautiful color, special color, but. Um, Usually we don't see it. It's a, and a, usually we don't start a concerto that high up, as we've discussed, in, in sort of in a smooth fashion. But it was all possible.
If you had to retrofit commentary of the present moment that we're living in right now onto this piece that was, um, you know, composed uh, last year, a hundred years after the Elgar, which was composed after the 1918 uh, flu pandemic, what would that commentary be? Yeah, it's it's really interesting. I, I was thinking about this this morning before our conversation, just coming back to this poem, and it's it seems even more um, important to be reflecting on on these things. Like when you're broken open, I think a lot of us feel like that right now. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of anger. And if you've torn the bandage off, it's you know people are in a lot of pain, and you know physically and emotionally. And then in the middle of the fighting, you know that we are very much there, especially today. Um, and in your blood and when you're perfectly free. So um, I think it's a very poignant time to be sharing this because I've, you know, I've done my best and Inbal's done her best and Marin's done her best to really bring this music to life. And the poem is very much at the heart of this music. So um, it feels very timely. Yes, I absolutely agree. And uh, we just uh, can't wait to be totally free as <laughs> the last uh, the last stanza is, is uh, the last line of the poem says. But um, yeah, as I, I said before, I think it's it's really uh, we're all also looking inside. It's it's a kind of self reflection time for self reflection and um, meditation. Yeah. My guests today were composer Anna Klein, cellist in Mosev, and conductor Marin Alsop. The pieces you heard were Anna Klein's Dance and Edward Elgar's Cello Concerto, both being released together on a new album on June 5th on Avi Records. Head to their website for details and to buy a copy. <laughs> 